0: In the name of God who loves us, who once walked among us, and who spurs us ever on. Amen. Amen. Well, I rarely title my sermons, and I never do until after they're all done, but the title for this sermon is Standing Up to Bullies, Standing Up to Bullies, bullies. Speaking of which, I just heard between the services that um, Westover Baptist Church Speaking of bullies, you know Westover Baptist Church, which is the Phelps family church out in Wichita, Kansas? They're the people who intimidate folks who go to funerals and things. Very, 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 very uh, awful, I think, people. Well they have just announced that Steve Jobs is going to hell. Because of the way that he has lived his life, Steve Jobs is going to hell. The interesting thing is they're using Twitter to get the word out. (laughs) I mean, go figure, right? The world we live in today, Twitter. Bullies. I mean, we all know about bullies, right? We've all been in the sixth grade. We all understand the, the, the fact of life that there are bullies in this world and that, they, and that they have influence on people. When I was in the sixth grade, my father was, was in school in Monterey, California, and, and I was in the school there as well, of course. And Gino was 14 and in the sixth grade because he was just newly immigrated from Italy. And Gino was a very angry young man because he was 14 in the sixth grade and weighed 210 pounds and shaved twice a day. I mean, it was really... <laughs> and Gino made my life miserable for about six months. Just every day made my life miserable. So we all, on some level, understand about bullies on that level. But, but we also understand, and, and I think more and more, that the bullying, the fact of bullies, does not stop when we're in junior high school. Bullying continues all the way up through our lives. As a matter of fact, I think today, in the world today, we see people accusing other people and maybe indeed people bullying um, at the highest levels at the highest levels of government, at the highest levels of society. This past week, um, I read an article that was from the Wall Street Journal. I didn't read it in the Wall Street Journal because I don't read the Wall Street Journal because I don't like the Wall Street Journal. But at any rate, <laughs> this, this article was, was on Episcopal Cafe, which is a wonderful blog if you want to learn about the Episcopal Church. And it was written, the article was written by a woman for the Wall Street Journal who said that the Episcopal Church was, uh, was one of the biggest bullies around and that our presiding bishop was a huge bully because we were bullying those congregations which have left the church, and and that it's our fault and that we were really bullies to not let them keep their property, here in Virginia and all over the country. The best response to that, I think, was given by the Bishop of San Diego. His name is is Mathis, and Bishop Mathis wrote back and said that, that this individual either had been duped by those who had left the church or did not really understand the facts and had done a very poor job, in fact, finding to write the article. But it was interesting to me that, that this Rupert Murdoch publication, and I think Rupert Murdoch's one of the biggest bullies around today, my opinion, that, that Rupert Murdoch would write about the church bullying um, people who had left the church. It's, it's, it's the pot calling the kettle black. If you would like to follow that stream, um, and, and I think it's worth it. I, I, it's called episcopalcafe.com. And go and find out about what's happening um, in terms of this argument, who's bullying who. Um, in the news just this morning, we, we can read a- about people all around the world feeling that they're being bullied by someone else. Governments in the Middle East since June, there's been that sense that, that, that bullying governments are no longer in power or are losing power quickly. Um, um leaders like Muammar Gaddafi talk about a bully um, that that there is a, a change in things that are happening um, on the n- on, on the worldwide scale in terms of of bullying and and in our own national debate um, we we are beginning to call each other bullies all the time I mean those conservatives on the one end of the spectrum call these on the other end of the spectrum bullies and they both do it Um, Everybody seems to be calling everybody else a bully. And that bullies exist in the world today is is a fact. So I think we need to then um, try to understand in our own way of thinking what bullying is all about and and who really is bullying who. It's important that we have some sense of, of where we stand in some of these conversations, some of these screaming matches, because I think it's something that's happening all around us. So how do we deal with that sense of of others calling others, or us calling others, or others calling us, in the Episcopal Church, people from my persuasion, bullies? What does that mean? What is that all about? Well, Matthew's Gospel, and particularly where we are in Matthew's Gospel today, I think gives us some real insight in the understanding of bullying. Because what's happening... In, in the 22nd and 23rd chapters of Matthew, is, is that the bullies around Jesus are becoming more and more rabid. That, that, that they're trying to move Jesus, to back Jesus into a corner more and more so that they can either discount him or, or find ways, which they eventually do, find ways to just remove him from the picture entirely. So those groups that are around Jesus are trying really hard and I think are bullying Jesus into a place where they want him to be, where he is totally discredited, or else they can find a way to to extricate him from from the situation entirely. So it may be important to understand, as it's important today to understand the players, it may be helpful to understand a little bit about the players around Jesus and their perspectives, and why I think that they are bullying him in a a really cruel way. And in an active way. We hear this morning about the Pharisees and, and those who, who are minions of the Pharisees. Those are the ones who, who are, who are um, confronting Jesus now more and more, trying to back him into a corner. And, and in the very next piece, we hear about, about the, the Sadducees because they come and ask him the question about resurrection. Do you remember that question? If, you, if a man has seven wives in the resurrection, which wife will he have in, in heaven? And so they're trying to back him into a corner too. So there are the Pharisees, and with the Pharisees there are, we talk about the lawyers and the scribes, and there's the Sadducees, and the Pharisees have as their weapon, their bullying weapon, they have the law. They, they have the, the Levitical law. So the law they use to, to bludgeon people with, and, and Jesus in this case, they bully Jesus with the law. This is what the law says. What do you say about it? The Sadducees, as we'll find out very soon, they use as their weapon of choice in bullying, they use the temple and the temple culture. So, so what is there about the temple that is so important? And then they say to Jesus over and over again, you are in opposition to what the temple says, to what the temple does. Now, those are not the only two Jewish groups that are so important in Jesus' life. There's a third group that's called the Essenes. The Essenes now have removed themselves from public life. They, they, live, um, they probably lived in a community out in the desert, right at the top of the Dead Sea, called Qumran. But there are also Essene communities throughout Israel, small groups of people who have removed themselves from the political situation entirely. So we have the Sadducees and the Pharisees, to recap just for a second, and they they are complicit with the biggest bully of the world of that time, the Roman Empire. I mean, you talk about the quintessential bully, the Roman Empire in the first century, the emperor of the Roman Empire was the biggest bully. That's how they kept control. They continued to bully the people that they had subjugated over and over and over. um, In Jerusalem, the Romans would continue to do things like like bringing the the emblems of foreign gods into the temple space, direct confrontation with the religious Jews who were in that space. And then they would slaughter two or 3,000 Jews. The Jews would get upset and there would be violence and then the Romans would come in and they would slaughter a whole bunch of people in the temple precinct. So the biggest bully in that day was the emperor, Tiberius in Jesus' later life, Augustus when he was born. Now that gets us directly to this story today because the bullies that are around Jesus, the Jewish bullies, the Sadducees and and the Pharisees and the Roman bullies, the emperor, they're working together now to, to... extricate this problem. Who was Jesus? So they bring a Roman coin, right? The denarius, Jackie read, the denarius into the temple precinct to Jesus and they say to him, should we pay our taxes to the Roman government? Now, not paying your taxes the penalty was death. And the only way you could pay your taxes was to use the Roman coinage imagine you could, you could pay taxes by giving them, um, you know, produce or, or animals, but if you were a merchant, if you had money, the only way to pay your taxes was using a Roman coin, the denarius, the, the universal coinage of the day. Well, what's on that coin, Jesus says in this passage? It's the head of the emperor. On the backside is the head of the emperor's wife, Lydia. Both of them are considered to be gods, in the Roman pantheon of gods. Now, in the temple precinct, you've got idols on the coin, a god and a goddess. What does the Ten Commandments say about idols? You shall not, you shall not have anything to do with idols. So there's a direct confrontation in that space with Jesus having this coin put in front of him. Now, the Sadducees and the Pharisees understand on some level that they've trapped Jesus. Because if he says that that coin, that it's okay to pay your taxes, then he's in compliance with the oppressive government. If he says it's not okay to pay your taxes, then he's a rebel. And he's fair game for everybody because he's in revolt. Paying your taxes makes him as compliant with the the oppressive system as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Saying no to paying your taxes Makes him an outlaw and subject to death. Are you with me so far? So they think they've got Jesus right where, where they want him. But you see, Jesus was very possibly, and if he was not himself in the scene, he had very strong affiliations with the Essene group, the Essene sect. Um, they were big into, into purification by water. Jesus was baptized. There's a really good chance that Jesus was in the scene. Now, the Essenes would have nothing to do with the Roman denarius, nothing. They wouldn't use it, they wouldn't touch it, they wouldn't go anywhere near it. For them, that coin was dust. It was absolutely meaningless. It had nothing to do with their lives at all. They didn't pay taxes, they, they, didn't, they didn't trade in money. The Essenes, had no, they were like monks, you know, they were like out in the desert. It had nothing to do with money at all. So when the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees come to Jesus and say, should you pay our taxes? Jesus looks at the coin and says, That's meaningless. Give to the emperor that which is meaningless, but give to God everything else, which is everything. The coin is like dust, it's like it has no meaning in God's world at all, Jesus is saying. So give it to the emperor, but give everything else that you've got your whole body, your whole being, your whole heart, your whole mind, give that to God because that belongs to God. Now what's important is I've never read that anyplace. What, what I keep reading is, is, is that the commentator, well, Jesus is, is being compliant. Jesus is saying, well, pay your taxes, give to the government, give them 50%, you know, they deserve it, they, they clean the streets, and give to God the other 50%. You know, kind of balance the scales. I don't think Jesus is saying that at all. Jesus is not complying with the government. Jesus is saying what that coin means is nothing to those who live under the love of the Almighty. So it doesn't matter what you do with that coin. Give it to them. Because nothing to nothing equals nothing. But everything you have belongs to God. Well, You know, one of my, my best resources for sermons is my wife, Kay. And last night we were talking about this and Kate says, so are you telling me that you're going to tell them tomorrow morning not to pay their taxes? <laughs> and that's not what I'm saying at all. I, I mean, I'm not saying that, that we should not pay our taxes with the money that we have because we are not in oppressive first-century Jerusalem. We are here. And yet, that, that, that the emphasis that Jesus is talking about that emphasis of of giving to God what belongs to God, which is your whole being, as opposed to giving to the bankrupt and corrupt civil authority, in this case, the Roman Empire, there's no comparison. So in in an ironic sort of a way, Jesus says, give them whatever they want because it really doesn't matter. But don't give them yourself. Don't give them your loyalty. Don't give them your heart. Don't give them the mind that you think with, because those things, those things, your whole being, they belong to God. They are God's. And so as we begin then to work through our own understanding of of this bullying conundrum in our lives, maybe it's important for us to remember that what we give to God is the most important things that we have. Our loyalty, our love, our intellect, our ability to communicate with one another, and that, and that when we do f- signify that bully in our lives, give them nothing, no power. The only way that bullies can operate is because we give them power. The only way is because I gave Gino fear, and that was his power over me. And we empower bullies by turning away from God's love and God's hope and God's light to the fear that is presented by the other side. Another story that I read this week that I just love, um, my last story about bullying. This happened in Nova Scotia in 2009. First day of school in a high school in one of the cities in Nova Scotia. I don't remember what high school. A boy, a freshman, 14 years old, rather diminutive in size, comes to school the first day of school, first day of high school that morning, wearing a pink polo shirt. Two upperclassmen come to him in the morning and call him all sorts of derogatory names, the sorts of things that the people from Westover Baptist Church call other people. I mean, sissy is not anywhere compared to what they called this young man. And they said... Tomorrow morning, if you, when you come to church, if you are going to come to church, we will beat the tar out of you tomorrow morning because you are a whatever. So tearful, in panic, this boy is telling a friend at lunch this story. If I come to, to, to school tomorrow morning, they're going to beat me up. I don't know what I'm going to do. How, you know, they, they already hate me. What can I do? Well, unbeknownst to the boy in the pink polo shirt, Behind him were two seniors. And they heard the story. And they started talking, the two of them. And they went that afternoon after school to, to the, the, the local, you know, Target or, or local K- K- Kmart, and they bought every single pink piece of apparel they could find. <laughs> they bought pink shirts, they bought pink skirts, they bought pink pr- pocketbooks. I think the the the... Varsity Linebacker had the pocketbook, I'm not sure. They bought every pink article they could find, and then they went on Facebook. And they started talking to their friends. Tomorrow morning, if you don't have something pink, come and see us half hour before school starts, and we'll give you something pink. And when that boy got off the bus, there was a sea of pink all around him. A sea of pink. Now those 16 and 17 and 18-year-olds understood something about bullying but I have a lot to learn yet. They didn't confront them. They didn't say, if you beat that boy up, we're going to beat you up. They, they, They didn't call those boys out. They just showed solidarity with the one who felt the fear. And that's exactly what Jesus talks about over and over and over again. To align ourselves with those who are powerless, with those who are hungry, with those who are poor, with those who are picked on, with those who are bullied. That's what we do. That's the antidote to bullying, to align ourselves with those who need us the most, the powerless, the ones who are bullied. So wear something pink. Good job. Wear something pink. Wear something pink in your heart. Wear something pink in your mind. Wear something pink on your body. But remember those who need us the most and wear something pink today.